Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and what's next. It's a show that asks questions and peels back the layers of our average everyday experience and goes beyond scratching the surface. We interview people doing incredible things who are making a difference around the globe. Join me as we listen in and get one step closer to understanding that big ideas shared create collaboration. Collaboration can inspire community, and communities create social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. Alan Zuig is the director of the new film, Hurt, that uh, was released at the Toronto International Film Festival this past uh, September in 2015. Uh, it's a documentary film about Steve Fonio. St- uh, check uh, Steve Fonio out, Steve Fonio, F-O-N-Y-O dot com. He's a guy who ran across Canada many years ago, raised about $13 million for a cancer research, and uh, Alan's made this beautiful and tragic film uh, about Steve's life, but I think it's about way more than that. And Alan gives us some insight into what is really going on here. And I and I I really highly recommend you get out to see this film. It's going to be at the Top Ten Film Festival starting on January the eighth. Uh, as Alan mentions, I think will be available on Super Channel uh, very soon. But you will be less of a person if you don't watch this film. And I know that's uh, that's uh, maybe a lofty claim, but there is a lot going on here. There's a lot of metaphor. There's a lot of uh, insight. There's a lot of, of, of pain, but 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 is it's worked out in the film in such a way that if you're open to it, I think you're going to reap some significant rewards. Um, and so Alan uh, gets kind of uh, down uh, to earth about why he made the film, and we talk a great deal about uh, Steve's life and, and some of the things that bubbled to the surface over the one year that it took him to film Hurt. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy this interview a great deal. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by a Canadian filmmaker, a special guest today, Alan Zueg, uh, who is uh, the director of uh, the new film, uh, Hurt, which I believe uh, Alan premiered at the Toronto Film Festival and has been nominated for a top 10 film uh, for 2016 at uh, TIFF as well. Alan, thank you for joining us today. Mm-hmm. My pleasure. Thank you. So I, I, first of all, I want to say congratulations about the film. I was able to see it just a couple of days ago, and it's... It's, um, I don't know if this is how you would describe it, but it's quite a beautiful, uh, tragic story. I don't mind those words. You don't mind those words. 
So, so uh, you know, I, I, I read an article, uh, I think, in The Globe that said that you were, uh, there were a variety of reasons why you were drawn to this particular story, and you, 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 you usually go after what I would call pretty human stories. Is that a fair statement? Well, I mean, I, I, I would, you know, the word story is, is, is the sort of difficult word for me for answering that question because before this film, I never really made a film that had a story ongoing oh, okay. that I was going to follow. That is a kind of a typical documentary uh, idea, but I had never done it before. Everything I'd done before that was basically interviews, learning people's stories, and creating kind of a collective story from uh, 7, 10, 20, 30 mm -hmm. people. I'd never, and a lot of those films were kind of uh, personal, but I had never made a film where I'm going to follow your life, get a sense of how, you know, one person in the present, etc. Yeah, so, yeah, very, very chronological. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, you, you sort of demarcate it by the seasons as you follow right. Steve's life. So, so tell me, can you tell us, our listeners, a little bit about how you got pulled in? I mean, I think I think I read somewhere in an article in the Globe that when Steve Stefano, the runner, by the way, for our listeners, you'll read about it online, but uh, raised thirteen million dollars many moons ago for cancer research, lost a leg, et cetera. Quite quite the story. I'm going to let people dig themselves, but I think the Globe article said that you had hadn't really heard about the guy or hadn't really thought about him until the Order of Canada was actually taken away from him. That's right. I mean, if you, you know, I don't even know if I knew that he'd fallen on hard times or right. I guess I if you'd asked me, that would have been my guess given that he completely fell off the radar publicly had he lived a more you know, uh, exemplary life, one can assume that we would have continued to hear about him like maybe not as much as Terry Fox, but maybe like Rick Hansen. There'd be a, so the, the absence of any kind of continuing reference to this Canadian hero, I think, uh, if I didn't know that I, I probably kind of knew, you know, if you live in BC and he gets arrested, it's, it was in the news, but in Ontario, I don't know how often I heard about him. But in any case, when I, when my friend told me that he lost the Order of Canada, it made sense, though I don't agree with it, but it made sense. It's like, oh, yeah, I heard he was... I must have heard something in the subsequent 25 years between running and losing the Order of Canada. I must have read something about him being arrested or drunk driving or drugs or... Something like that. I, I don't know that I did, but I must have. Well, what's, what's so fascinating about the story is, to, to me, as I, as I watched it sort of unfold on the screen, is, is how, um, just how, what a contrast from, 
you know, I mean, come on, we can talk forever about what it, what it actually means to be a hero and so on. But, but he went on to do some pretty incredible things as far as any individual is concerned. But a man suffering from cancer raises $13 million, runs across the country. I mean, and then to, to basically just spiral downwards, I mean, it came very quickly. Yeah, I mean, you know, my assumption going into making the film, and maybe this was, you know, uh, too big an assumption to make, but just philosophically, Mm -hmm. I thought, well, it's not as if, it can't be true that he was a hero as a teenager and had the personality of a hero, whatever that is, and then that personality changed and he, you know, uh, you know, absorbed the personality of a petty criminal and a drug addict. Right. So to me, it seemed likely that the things that were eventually made him a drug addict and a petty criminal were in him when he, um, committed or whatever you want to say this, what we would all consider, I don't know if everybody would consider it a heroic act, right. but in, you know, in 13 or 14 months, a man with one leg and one prosthetic leg ran a, completely across Canada, uh, through the prairies in the winter, essentially running a marathon every day hmm. for 13 or 14 months. And I mean, then the other thing is that in Canada, I've said this a few times in interviews, but if Terry Fox is a hero for running from St. John's to Thunder Bay before he died, mm-hmm. then then you cannot question that Steve's a hero for running right. all the way across right. Canada. So, but what I'm saying is that one, you know, one clearly does not have to be a saint to uh, uh, do a, I don't know, to complete a heroic act. Well, what's so, what's so fascinating about, to me, about human nature and about, 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 about Steve, and you must have seen this as you followed him for a year and in some of your other films, I'm sure this bubbles to the surface, but this idea of how um, everything for Steve is conditional. And I guess maybe in some way it's conditional for all of us. So his self-worth, his is, is based on, 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 on the love he feels on the acceptance he feels. He talks a lot in the film about this adrenaline rush. And I wonder if that's what it really is. Like, is it really about adrenaline or is this just about being included and, and being well, accepted? You know, you know, I mean, the thing is, um, Terry Fox, even in interviews, says that he came from a very competitive family, athletically competitive family. And when he lost his leg, he, he on some level wanted to prove that losing his leg is not going to set him back. Now, you know, but when I hear him say that he comes from a very competitive family, I think, yeah, that's why you did this. That's, that was... What what was in Terry Fox to make him do what he did? Was it simply that he was an extremely generous, philanthropic, outward-looking man who summoned up 
the courage to run across Canada out of that, basically, the goodness of his heart? Right. Or was he driven to do it by something that was in his character and in his family and was, in a sense, essentially chasing him across the country because it killed him? Mm. Was that, you know, I even have that, you know, not to be kind of, what to say, not to be a dick about it, but if your child was, well, I'm going to raise money for Canada, I'm going to run across, it might kill me, and the doctors are saying it will, would you want him to do it? Would you want that hero to be your son? Like, so I'm just saying something drove Steve the 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 fact that it manifested itself in a heroic way which raised money for people for cancer research i can't believe that was his primary mm, drive right. any more than i can believe it was terry fox's or any number of other people like it's the, you know i don't know it's just like you can be a hero and be, uh, you know, it might be you're a hero because you're obsessive in nature and you, your obsession manifests itself in something that ends up having benefit for other people. Susie, his, uh, his sister, I believe, she, you, you asked her the question about, you know, about an explanation for some of Steve's issues, some of his problems and so on. Uh, and because they're just, they're so in your face, they're so extreme. Um, do you... She said she couldn't really explain it. Do you feel after spending so much time with him and, 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 and what you seem to have developed a pretty intimate friendship with this guy, I think, um, do you have any yeah. insight? I mean, do you have other insights I mean, my, in, in my, your, you know, my, into, your own, into your own life, you know? My only insight is that, you know, um, I made a film once with ex-cons and uh, at... I realized how naive I had been about mm. other people's childhoods. Mm. You know, I just didn't really know that anybody could treat, you know, could completely not, <laughs> I don't even know what to say, could not nurture their children at all. Mm. I didn't know that that existed, even though, yes, we hear about it, but when I interviewed these ex-cons and they told me about their childhoods, I realized, yeah, they got, they, they got nothing, right? They got nothing. Yeah. They got the opposite of right. nothing. Right. And that, and I think on some level, nobody escapes that. Uh, or, I mean, maybe they escape that, but they're scarred by it. Maybe they overcome the scars, but... You know, if you're not parented and you're not nurtured and you're not loved, you know, you're going to have to deal with some stuff. I was just going to say, uh, Alan, I find it interesting that, you know, uh, early on in the film, he the, the direct quote is, they loved me, and I think he was talking about Canadians, they loved me for right. what I did. And on, you know, and on some, and then he's talking to his, I believe his, uh, his mom, you know, and that's such a tragic scene. Hasn't spoken to her in four years. Feels, and he says, "I feel like I failed. I didn't live up to your expectations." And there's this sense of 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 that he just wasn't included, that he wasn't embraced, that he wasn't wanted. 
you know, somewhere along well, the line. I mean, Maybe it was parents, but it's probably more than just parents. Yeah, I mean, his mother's alive. I don't want to, I, you know, there's, the whole thing is I didn't want to blame anybody. Yeah, sure. No, but, but no, I, I, however he was loved, um, it didn't, didn't work. Hmm. That's what, whatever they did. I mean, that's the thing, whatever. I, you know, I had a period in my life where I blamed my parents right. and where right. suddenly I was like, ah, you know. They well, did a pretty good job. Well, they did the yeah, best they could. That's right. Steve's parents did the best they could, but I don't think they create they created a person who felt. I don't think he felt loved. I don't think he has any any capability of loving himself. Mm. And I think that, um, you know, I think that you can obviously. Um, recover from that, but um, he hasn't. So, I don't so, think. so, Alan, can you teach an old dog new tricks? Can you know the film ends on a, on kind of a hopeful note of yes, another tragedy, but but you know he's seeing a therapist. He wants you know uh, you know um, you know why wouldn't I want to better myself? He says you know like anyone would probably say for the most part. Yeah. D- d- I mean, is there redemption here? Is there reconciliation with himself? Not yet. Mm. I mean, um, we have some connection with him still, and we're trying to arrange for him to maybe get back into therapy and things like that. But no, no, I, I, I just think he's, uh, you know, I mean, I don't want to simple oversimplify right. it, no, but I, sure. but, but I don't think he has the wherewithal to look at himself. Um, Even watching himself in the film, on some level, I felt like all he was doing was gathering evidence to squirm out of more situations. Like, Mm. oh, yeah, you know, he he said in interviews, you know, essentially, I see the error of my ways right. in this film and I'm going to and that was I mean I knew that was not true it's not going to be that fast that he sees himself in the film but I just think all he did when he saw himself in the film was like oh I see the I see the way I'm creating negative impressions if I could get rid of that I could scam more people right or or at least you know Oh, here's how I can fake sincerity. Like I don't think he, I don't think he learned anything. In particular, I think and and yeah. So I yeah I think that there's hope. Right. But but um, you know he's a he's very frustrating person to be friends with because he does seem immune to any any insight, any help. Hmm. You know, I, I made the kind of joke that if you gave Steve a choice between I'll teach you to fish or I'll give you a fish, right. he would always take the, oh, just give me the fish. <laughs> right. It's like, because, uh, you know, he has this somewhat false sense of his own 
invulnerability. You know, like, I'm hungry now. How would you get hungry? That doesn't matter. Hmm. But if you give me the fish, I won't be hungry anymore. How will you do tomorrow? I'll find somebody to give me a fish. Right. But, 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 and then the next day, well, maybe for a day I won't eat. The day after that I'll find another person. But, but uh, never, you know, he has survived. And so in a way his own meager survival has given him the confidence that he, why should I change? I have continued to survive. You know, so yeah, he, I, he, I don't think he has a, it's, a reason to change in a way because even with the way the film ends, even that didn't scare him. Didn't scare him enough. Enough. Well, it's such a, it's such a, I mean, I'm no psychotherapist, uh, but, but such a pattern has, has clearly developed in his life of, 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 of maintenance almost, right? Of just sort of getting by. Um, and, and clearly he sees himself as a victim as the film sort of, uh, develops certainly near the end. It makes, it does make you kind of wonder, you know, in all of our own brokenness, because I, 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 I certainly believe we're all broken, if, if you can you know, teach an old dog new tricks. If there is, you know, you say there's hope and I believe there is too, but you watch a story like this, you kind of go, geez, we're all kind of screwed in a way. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I've, I have not, you know, I'm, I got married at 58, 57, something like that, you know, and, uh, I've, I've joked, but it's really not a joke that I never knew how much I had to change until I got married. Like, right, right. Like my wife has, you know, made it very clear to me <laughs> things about myself that I, I didn't know, you know, just stuff that developed over 30 years of being alone. I've got a lot of bad habits, a lot of bad habits. Right. And yes, it's definitely hard to change. But I mean, one thing for myself I, I've learned is that the sort of, you know, the one thing I remember from university is cognitive dissonance. Mm. And, uh, you know, one corollary of cognitive dissonance was if you want to change your opinion, change your behavior, and then your opinion will sort of catch up to your behavior. If, you know... If, if you don't want to be good, but if you do good, eventually your body will want to deal with the dissonance and will make you feel good about doing good. I don't know. That's a sort of yeah. So, I mean, I think with Steve, yeah, he's, I think one. I don't know if you could go into his head and change his mind, but I think you could maybe make him change his behavior or Dude. change change what he's doing. Till he realizes, sort of, I don't know. Maybe that's that was also. I'm not a psychologist either. I end up making films in which, you know, one is called upon to give opinions that are you would have to know something to give these opinions, and it's like, well, I just made the film. I'm not an expert. But. Right, right, right. But in, I mean, it's the kind of thing it seems to me. Uh, uh, that you would in years potentially look back on it and say, wow, what, look at the insights I actually did make. 
when I was making that film. I didn't even realize it at the time because it's to me, I don't know. It just, as I was watching it unfold, it just strikes me as such a, such a profound experience. I mean, I mean the scene of the fight breaking out at at his house. I mean, how does that, I mean, what a ridiculous question, Alan, but how does it make you feel as a filmmaker to be so intimately a part of that? You know, I have mixed feeling. I mean, on some level I have this sort of hard nose thing like, um, you know, you can't be uncomfortable or why are you making a film? Like, you know, just, uh, you know, put on your big boy pants and buck up. And yes, yeah, so they had a fight. So put in your film. And I mean, really, I was there. It wasn't that bad. Right. It actually looks worse <laughs> right. on camera than, it, you know, I shouldn't say this, but it's like, you know, we're telling a story and where we that comes in the story, it's at a point that things are starting to fall apart. So that definitely, you know, uh, it feels horrible at that point. I think if if it were somewhere different in the film, it wouldn't necessarily feel that bad. But I don't know. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's funny. You have your filmmaker hat on, if you want to say that, and your human being hat, and I don't want to say they're exactly separate, but there is part of you going, ooh, this is horrible, and there's part Mm -hmm. of you going, uh, you know, cha-ching. Right, right. You know, like... Check that one off. Right, right. That's going to be that's great moment be in the film. <laughs> great yeah. moment in the film. Yes. So, um, yeah. I mean, all throughout the film, there is part of me going, you know, uh, well, first of all, how am I going to tell the story, and how am I going to um, get enough sympathy? for this person mm. who is f- so frustrating for me. Right. And etc. But it's like, well, then you forget kind of film, the, f- the film medium is your friend. Right. It, and, uh, what was it, what, Alan, was it hard to convince Steve to say yes to the project? Not at all. No. no. Um, no, the people ask like, you don't, well, you don't, uh, well, I always have to tell people, or maybe I shouldn't, but I always have to tell people. Um, we were maybe the fourth group of people, maybe the fifth, that had either approached him to make a film or even started. Hmm. Two or three different other groups of people had put him in a hotel room, interviewed him for a few hours. A lot of people were sniffing around this story. I don't think they would have told the story the same way we did. But a lot of people wanted to, over the years, had come to him. So when we first came, we were just another hmm. group of people. He, 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 seemed, he thought it was inevitable that somebody would eventually tell a story. Hmm. And I think that, I don't think he had enough insight into his life to realize that the story wouldn't be simply look at this great guy who did this great thing and how bad he's been treated. I think more or less he thought that's what a film eventually would be. 
And in a way, that's even with the film I made, there's still some truth to that. The people who see the film, um, you know, with all the rough edges, still they're, they're, they feel bad for him and they feel like he was a hero and they're glad to remember him, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, maybe he gets, maybe he was right. That was always going to happen. But anyway, I'm just saying, it's a, he expected a puff piece. Right. And it's not a puff piece, but, you know, maybe maybe it is a puff piece in its own way. In its own way. Well, maybe, maybe looking back on it, uh, he'll be able to reflect in that way. I mean, when you watch it, when you saw it at TIFF, and I understand he got a standing ovation, uh, you know, at, uh, at the festival and so on, um, what what's your sense? I mean, what are you hoping? I mean, maybe again another kind of corny question in a sense, but it's really something that I'm interested in. What are you hoping well, to do with a yeah. film like this? You know, do you want me to say, okay, how do I? I mean, clearly it's not superficial. There's nothing superficial about this film. It's deeply relational to me, Alan. I just, I mean, I, I was, I was, I'm getting shivers as I speak to you, but I was in tears. I mean, there was a sense where when Lisa, um, uh, his ex-wife, Lisa Marie. Lisa is his ex. His, ex, pre- ex. his girlfriend is Lisa Marie and Lisa. Lisa's his ex-wife. When she offers yeah. to cook him dinner from the back seat of the car, I mean, I wanted to climb into the car with you guys and, yeah. and, and well, convince this guy, go, take it, man. That's, yeah. there's, there's your ticket. That's your key, not the dinner, but this is, this is what's going to heal you, brother. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, the, th- the thing is that, I'm not sure what you're asking, but I'll just, I think this, I think this is what the answer is. Um, the most important thing to me when I was thinking about making the film and when I was making the film is to tell a story well. And, you know, uh, create the feeling that you're seeing somebody's life in a way that you never could if I didn't make this film. Right. So, you know, on a certain, you know, like on a certain level, the subjects of the films that I make anyway, I was going to say we documentary filmmakers, but it might not be true for some of my colleagues. The subjects I choose are to some degree, irrelevant in the sense it's not as if you know these were stories that were always important to me in my life and then i finally got to make films about them now that they're over i'm still inter you know uh, interested in these subjects i mean in my case i did make films about personal subjects but you know the most important thing was can this be a film not is this the most important thing to me or, or even not here's a story that I already know that I want an audience to know so that the audience will feel something that I think it would be good for them to feel like I'm not trying to, it's not like, you know, whatever. I'm not proselytizing. I'm not promoting a certain idea. Sure. So all I care about is, that you have the experience that it sounds like you have. Yeah. 
with this story. Well, and what, Alan, what isn't... you take away from it, you know, I guess the only thing that I would like people to take away from it, because I'd like people to take this away from everything I've made, is that um, I just have a kind of a weird pet peeve of mine in the world that we have this sense that there are people that are screwed up, mm. and then there are people that aren't screwed right. up. Right. There are sad stories, and then there are happy stories. And, you know, there are stories where everything works out, mm-hmm. and then there are stories where nothing works out. You know, like, that to me is the craziest thing. You know, we have so much evidence that, you know, everybody has problems and yeah. yet we still like oh you have problems like you have problems really like so to me that's a, you know steve has is possibly sometimes you have to go to an exaggerated or extreme mm. situation to let people but you know yeah but sure i want people to see themselves in steve's story sure um that would be nice but it's not important I think that would make the experience richer for them if they did. But, um, you know, that's a kind of a general interest I have. It wasn't my, you know, my goal when I made the film. Yeah. You must have had an intuitive sense, though, I would think, that after meeting him, you you could have easily uh, had your first meeting. You brought your camera. I'm not sure how it all unfolded and, and on the flight back or the drive back could have said, yeah, you know what? I don't, I don't, I don't really feel like we've got anything here. There must've been some sort of, well, when we started, that's what I thought. Oh, uh, okay. You, you didn't think there was going to be anything. Well, I, well, I, when I started and I interviewed him and I spent a few days with him, I thought, well, you know, that was a pretty good interview. I got some stuff there. But we can't just keep interviewing. Right, right. We need to experience his life in some way. And the first trip we went out there, essentially nothing happened. So, uh, I mean, nothing happened, you know, like, except that he hung out with us for a few days. There was nothing you could see, you couldn't really see. Right. what his wife was like when we came back and he's left his wife and he's with another person and there'd been a court case and then it was like, okay, like, even if it's just this, at least this is some thing to hook uh, a story on. So, um, yeah, you know, I, there was a time I thought I had nothing. Right. And there was, uh, yeah. One of the, one of the, one of the things that, that, stood out to me was a couple of the other interviews. Most of the film is about, about Steve and you do get a, a f- some family members and so on, but you interview a police officer and you interview a doctor and, and, and the doctor talks about the, the, I guess the hero-like nature of what Steve did, you know, even in, I think his line was something to the effect of even a normal person wouldn't have really probably been able to do this. And yet here Steve does this. So you got your drive there. You've got your, you're reaching out beyond your grasp kind of a thing for Steve, which is so the antithesis of where he is today. And then the, the police officer who's kind of laughing about the fact that he spent time in jail, but at the same time saying, oh yeah, he's a great guy. He's a wonderful guy. Yeah. Well, I guess. Yeah, it's, well, I mean, when he said that, you know, 
it's kind of like Steve's a great guy if you don't care too much about, um, you know, how he's screwing up his life. Right. Like, he, you know, if he's, I won't say fun to be with, but, you know, he's funny, he's sweet, he's tells a good story. Right. He, he seems to care, I don't know, you know, he has some sweet and charming qualities. And um, that made it, you know, easier. I can see how those guys are friends. Like, right. And right. also... You know, that guy's dealing with hardened criminals, I think. Steve's not a hardened criminal. Right. You know, uh, he's doesn't come from that background. So, yeah, it's kind of funny that he says he's a great guy, but I mean... He is kind of a great guy. Well, he is kind of a great guy. I mean, I I don't know. I just I saw I saw that kind of as just aren't we aren't we all kind of a walking bundle of paradox and contradiction, really, uh, in our own. Yeah, I mean, I think ways, that right? part of that. Yeah, I mean, I think part of that is. Yeah. So what if he? I mean, he's he's a hero. Yeah, that's good. But he's a great guy. Yeah, but like you know, he I I don't know. I thought of this the I thought about this the other day. Um, I was thinking about the fact that I interviewed people and became sort of friends with people mm-hmm. who were murderers, and you know, implicitly in my, I felt like they needed to be forgiven, and I forgave them. Mm. And and I was thinking about that in the context of. On the other hand, here's some guy that I don't like who has kind of screwed me or wrote a bad review of my film or something like that, and I don't forgive him. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't know if that's relevant. I just sort of feel like mm-hmm. Steve. Um, that's either, you know, in a way, it's like I guess what I'm saying is he's a great guy and he was a hero. And then there's all this other stuff, and that is not actually paradoxical. That's how people are. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, there's, like, you know, Alan, I keep, I keep coming back to this, this, you know, when he, when he said they loved me for what I did and how, you know, I've, I've got two kids. I've got an uh, eight and a ten-year-old, and I don't love them for what they do. Right? right, I don't think anyway. Of course, no. I might find it cute and sweet and wonderful no, no, and all no, those no. things, and that's, that's, that's a part of it. But I love them for who they are, and I think, and and I, I and I know in my own life, my own brokenness, my own marital breakdown, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is to, was because I think I didn't feel loved on some level. Do you know what I mean? And so I think, right. I think in a way, I really kind of connect with Steve and not to say at all that my life's been like his, but I, but I don't know. I don't know even know what I'm saying here, Alan. I just, well, I, no, I get, it. I mean, the, the, he, they, he, I think that you can say in a simple way that he ran across Canada to get love, which he, I mean, this would be, you know, again, a simplistic sure. view, but maybe true also. He ran across Canada to get the love that he hadn't felt before. Yeah. He got the love, 
because he was doing the thing that people do cheer you for. Right. All and based, that, all based on that, condition, right? All based right. on condition because he ran the kilometers. He ran the mile. I mean, you can't get much more metaphorical, right? right? You know, you don't, you, that's what, you know, and then that was over. And yeah. they didn't give him that much love anymore or not at the level that he needed it. And uh, without it, he was incapable of functioning. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I wonder to what degree all of us, frankly. You might, might in, put you on speaker for... Oh, yeah, 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 go right ahead. I wonder to what degree if we're all, all incapable of functioning without that kind of love, and we come up with other ways of being, other ways of living, other ways of managing it, you know? And, and we don't spiral maybe quite the way Steve did, but we just... We divert, you know, in other uh, appropriate or inappropriate ways. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, I think that Steve had fewer resources. Right, it's good. Yeah. Than, than many of us do. Mm -hmm. You know, I always say for myself, it's like, when I, when I, found myself broke I didn't hold up a gas station right right you know like whatever I did my background did not allow me to go there because I was afraid of going to jail right um, but I know people that that's what they did because it's not even what they weren't afraid they had no other resources. They had nobody to borrow a dollar from. They had nothing. They had nobody. And they had no self-esteem and no self-worth. And so, what the hell? Maybe I just deserve to be in jail. Right. Like, I had enough self-esteem that I didn't want to go to jail. So, and that wasn't, you know, anything that came from my, you know, character or anything it didn't come from anything i did it just came like i was just lucky so uh i just don't think steve has was given any resources um and and you know i mean the the simplest way to say it it's like when he was running across canada when he woke up in the morning what do i have to do today well i gotta run 20 kilometers sure which is just straight, just run down that road, just keep running, one step after another, when it's over, you know, there's people following you, the people will cheer, they'll take you out for drinks tonight, maybe they'll get you laid. Right. Like, it's real easy, just run 20 kilometers. Right. That is actually a lot easier than waking up now, like, what do I do today? Well, you probably should get a job. Uh, well, I don't know, how do I do that? I don't, you know... Then you should get, you know, get food. Then you should love yourself. Then you should, uh, you know, it's like just the stuff that you have to do every day to just survive is actually harder yeah. than, than running 20 kilometers, which is physically hard, but emotionally, not maybe not. And not that hard to figure out. You know, like in a way, if I could, if I could run 20 kilometers every day, even now, I think I'd prefer that to, you know, 
run 20 kilometers and get paid for it and get well, and yeah, get national yeah. acclaim yeah <laughs> or whatever it yeah is. no it totally it makes I sense rather, there's yeah I'd rather run to my daughter's school and then run home and then run again then run home and do that 10 times then wake her up get her dressed get her eating breakfast and get her to school on time that those that that one hour is harder to me than running around the block 20 times but i don't have the choice well, Alan, we uh, we probably should should wrap it up. Yeah. I know you've got to get ro rolling. I, I think congratulations on on uh, on the film. Uh, it's a beautiful film. It's a tragic film, and and I wish you all the success with it. It's going to be at uh, the top ten f festival starting in a few days, January the eighth at uh, TIFF. Uh, it's yeah. your seventh seventh feature documentary uh, film. Is that right? That's true. Yeah. Well, again, thank you for your time. And oh, and it'll for those who get it, it'll be on Super Channel starting this month. Oh, getting on Super Channel starting this month. And for uh, our other listeners, uh, stevefonyo.com is the website, stevefonyo.com. And again, Alan, thanks so much for your time today. Okay, thanks. I hope there was something there in my babbling. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.